1: In 1969, as a ninth grader at Salesian High School in Richmond, California, Joey Piscatelli was a slight 85-pound 14-year-old. He was assaulted repeatedly by a priest. And, of course, Joey thought no one would believe him if he told. The sexual abuse lasted almost three years. The Salesian Order of Brothers and Priests is the largest missionary order in the Catholic Church. Unfortunately lurking within this religious community are many priests, brothers, and lay teachers who molest youngsters, twenty-two at last count, Silesian high school, several years ago. Yes, Joey Pescatelli was one of the unlucky ones, but then years later, Joey took the unprecedented and dramatic step of filing a civil action stating that he was molested by the Silesian priest and that the priest's supervisors could and should have prevented the abuse. Joey proved his case and amazingly prevailed. The Salesians appealed, and a California appellate court upheld the lower court ruling that indeed, Joey was molested, and the priest's colleagues and those in authority were responsible. Born in Brooklyn, New York, Joey Piscatelli was a Catholic from birth until he was molested by this priest. Against all odds, in 2003, Joey sued the church. He prevailed after five years of litigation and multiple appeals. In 2009, Joey finally received the $650,000 awarded by the jury. The suit cost the church $5 million. He is the only clergy abuse victim to have ever gone to jury trial in Contra Costa County, California history. And I'm sure a lot of other counties and states across the country. Joey is currently 56 years old and a general contractor. He's been married 32 years to his beautiful wife, Linda, and has two grown children. He's a strong advocate, as you can imagine, for sexually abused children and is the Northern California Director for SNAP, which stands for the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. He has participated in over 100 protests in over 50 California cities, and he's a member of Mensa. I am very pleased to welcome Joey Piscatelli to the show. Good morning, Joey. Good morning, Francie and everybody else. So glad to have you on the show.
2: I'm glad to be here.
1: So, Joey, this is um we have a lot to cover today as we were talking just previous to the show here there's so much to cover, but I I'd, I'd like you just to start out if you wouldn't mind and 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 I know some of this is painful for you to talk about, so, and I appreciate, I really appreciate that. But I'd like you to start out with when you, the events that transpired when you got to Salesian High School. And I might just say, my stepsons and you went to the same school, St. John's in El Cerrito, before you went to, before you graduated and went to Salesian and started there at ninth grade. So tell me the background of what happened when Father Wieland first started stalking you? Uh,
2: Well, when I first entered the school, I was a runt, and I think he chose me because of my size. I think he was uh, interested more in uh, smaller children. Uh, I didn't look 14. I looked like I was 8. So what I did is I went to the Salesian Boys Club, which was on the school grounds, Uh, to play pool, and he started uh, out uh, watching me play pool, and then he would masturbate while I played pool and tell me to watch him. Uh, The director of the boys club, Brother Sal Belanti, who is himself a convicted molester, was watching and did not report it. So that made the Salesians uh, guilty of uh, what they call um, knowledge. And
1: and, and didn't, uh, Joey, didn't um, the father that you just mentioned, didn't when he walked by he just looked at Father Whelan masturbating and smiled and walked on? Right. He
2: stood there, he crossed his arms, and he smiled and watched the whole thing. And originally when I saw him, I thought uh, that he was going to uh, be surprised and run to the phone and call the police or do something, and instead he enjoyed it and watched the whole time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, so then, what transpired? Uh, well, that gave them notice. In other words,
2: another uh, official, a supervisor, knew uh, that this was going on. So at that point, everything from there on made them uh, negligent. So. After that, it escalated, and then the priest, who is also the vice principal of the school, would take me to the office or the uh, upstairs room on the third floor, and uh, the molestation escalated uh, until uh, he violently raped me, and and, um, the other priests knew about it and did nothing. Um, The vice principal, Father Whelan, was a child molester, the supervisor of the boys' club, Brother Sal, was a child molester. The principal of the school, Father Debeni was a molester. Um, and the other supervisor of the school, Father Presenti, was a molester. And altogether, there, w- there were uh, ten uh, molesters at the school, and we uh, refer to it as a-, a nest of molesters. And they also lived on the school grounds in a mansion.
1: And these... These men have all also been convicted, all of them, right? Uh, well, the statute of limitations prevents uh, conviction
2: uh, in a civil in a court uh, criminal, okay. but uh, but the civil statute that came out in two thousand three allowed people to sue civilly. So some of them are quote unquote alleged, and some of them are convicted, and some of them are admitted.
1: Okay. And let's talk about that statue because that was in the California legislature that was a just a year window, wasn't it, that you could uh take a civil action if the organization knew that it was existing. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, they had to know or should have known uh that that's the wording. Uh in 2002 a group of uh Uh, people went to the California legislature and said there's thousands and thousands of kids who before the age of 18 were molested, and they never got their chance in court. They never got their chance for any kind of justice. So what the uh, California uh, legislature did is said, okay, we'll open a window in 2003 for just that year for all the victims who have never done anything at all to come forward and file suit Uh, The unfortunately, this wasn't advertised, and Mm -hmm. most of the victims didn't know about the law. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. So unless they took action that year, within that calendar year, they were out of luck.
2: Yeah. Again, the statute of of limitations went against them. The statute Mm -hmm. of limitations currently is seven years or before the age of 26. Uh, And there's also a law that's up now that just went before... San Francisco High Court uh, a couple of days ago where six brothers who were molested by Father uh, Broderson of Oakland, California. Six brothers were molested by him and they did not know that their lives were affected by it. There's a California law that says, if you discover that your life has been affected negatively Mm -hmm. by sexual abuse, you have a three-year window to file suit, mm-hmm. and and that they're using that law to sue the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church has appealed that.
1: Okay, all right. So going back to you, uh, let's let's go back to before. Let's before we get into the suit, let's wait a little bit on that. Let's go back to when you were at the school, and it's it sounds like from reading um, your notes about this that that Father Whelan just pretty much stalked you all over the campus.
2: Oh, yeah. He, he started out at the boys' club. Uh, then it went into the uh, showers after PE. He went in the showers to watch me strip and go in the showers. All the boys went in at the same time. Uh, then he followed me around uh, uh, when I got out of my classes. He knew which classes. I w- And he'd ask me to follow him and take me to his office uh, and uh, followed me into the bathrooms. And uh, basically, he stalked me all the time.
1: Mhm. And and what kinds of things he would he would wouldn't he make up reasons to talk to you?
2: Yeah, he he at first he confronted me and said, "Would you like to sell spirit ribbons?" And those were for the sports games of football and basketball games, and there were little ribbons you would sell for 15 cents or whatever. And uh, that was his opening uh to start grooming me for uh uh the abuse. He made friends with me. Uh it's a con game. They gain your confidence and they become friends and after they gain your trust uh, then they escalate and uh, they're they're good at what they do at what they do uh, which is a bad thing for the victim but they know how to do it.
1: Well you're no longer a victim for sure so (laughs) glad to hear that. Um, So there was one incident that you described on the stairway of the school that was really ugly with Father Whelan.
2: yeah, there there were several. Uh, the last time, what he did is he uh, told me to go up the stairs, and I did. Uh, I, I went up the stairs, and he started pinching me and groping me, and we're heading up into a dark room on the third floor, which is like an attic room. And um, I I did what is called as uh, I had an event called a disassociation, where you leave your body and you're watching yourself being attacked. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people do this in near-death experiences. Right. And I disassociated and I was watching him attack and drag me into the room and rape me and um, it was after that I blacked out and uh, that was the last time he attacked me because he was scared himself I think and uh, it was ugly Um, and I can understand and sympathize with other uh, rape victims that uh, leaving your body during the experience is a way uh, that your, uh, your body uses that mechanism uh, to protect your mind sure. from, from the abuse.
1: Sure. Now there were, and that one, there wasn't any witnesses to, correct? No. Yeah. Okay. And, but that was the last time, and then he was transferred. He went someplace else. Well, that's
2: typical for the Salesian order to transfer when they find out that uh, there's problems going on. Salesians, uh, like other orders uh, in the Catholic Church, when there's complaints or they find out about uh, an abusive priest, they transfer them. Unfortunately, they transfer them usually uh, to another uh, school or church that has kids there also. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was a common practice of the church in the past. They're trying to clean that up now, but the problem is now there's been tens of thousands of kids who were uh, molested, uh, raped, uh, and abused because priests were transferred deliberately and intentionally by their superiors, knowing that they were a threat to kids, but it was done anyway.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And by the time. Uh by the time you filed the suit, he was at the diocese, or, um, not the diocese, but the church in San Francisco.
2: Right. He was at the main cathedral in San Francisco. It's called St. Peter and Paul's Church. And uh, he was placed there by Cardinal Lavada, who is the highest ranking U.S. Uh, bishop ever to be promoted to the Vatican, he sits at the Pope's side, as a matter of fact, he intentionally left Father Whelan in ministry with little kids all during my litigation, which lasted five years.
1: Mm-hmm. And well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you said uh, Cardinal Lovada is now at the Vatican, and he's known as the prefect.
2: The prefect for the congregation of the doctrine of the faith—that is the former office of the uh, general inquisitor—that would be the office of the uh, church that was responsible for the torture and burning to death of hundreds of thousands of women and kids as witches.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Over uh, through this through the centuries. Through the yeah. centuries, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and and Joey, do you believe that? Cardinal Lavada at the time knew that there were many priests and brothers within under his supervision that were molesting children. Uh it it, it it's a lot worse than that, Francie. Okay. Uh
2: Cardinal Cardinal Lavada chose as his own personal canon lawyer, that's a church lawyer, uh, Gregory ingles who uh years before Cardinal Lavada hired him to be his own personal lawyer had uh, raped several children in Marin County and Lavara had paid out millions of dollars to the victims. And so he pr- promoted him and gave him this highest ranking uh, job on the West Coast knowing he was a serial child rapist. Okay,
1: all right, so he certainly had, and, and as we know now, the church has settled many lawsuits and even at that time um, covered up settlements that they had with families and children
2: yeah well yeah in, in, in the years past uh, the church would if there was a complaint they would just pay off the family mm-hmm. uh, in addition to um, doing other things to keep them quiet uh, in my case uh... my mother worked at the school cafeteria and they told me if i said anything that they would fire her from the cafeteria and kick me out of school and that no one would believe me and i believed them so of course i didn't you did. say anything yeah
1: yeah of course i mean i can't imagine you're going a priest is going to tell a child a child of even though 14 or 15 that nobody will believe them when you, you say a priest has hurt them i can't imagine and and your mother uh, your mother working right there at the school what was your mother's reaction when she found out about this ultimately?
2: Well, my mother, at the time, I was afraid to tell my mother. Uh, the the uh, uh, school principal, Father DeBenny, who is a convicted child molester himself, at that time, he went uh, to her. Uh, I got to back up a little bit. The school sent a uh, therapist to find out why my grades were dropping. And right. I, told, I told her that the priest we touching the boys. And uh, the therapist betrayed me and told the principal and vice principal and the supervisor of the school. They went to my mother and said, your son is fabricating tales about us saying we're doing things. Uh, if you don't keep him quiet, uh, he's going to have to be removed from the school. And um, I, to cover up, uh, uh, I was worried about her job. I didn't say anything. Uh, I told her I would keep my mouth shut, and basically I led her at that time, at that instant, I led her to believe that I was just mouthing off. Years later, I told her the truth.
1: And what did she say then?
2: Uh, Well, she had worked at the cafeteria for several years there. She said that uh, every time there was a complaint of abuse, all the priests would shut it up. And she personally knew of some kids that had come to her, And told her that they were molested in the library and she complained to the uh, uh, school principal herself uh, who denied it and told her it's just rumors and that all the kids lie. Uh
1: Okay. Amazing. Just amazing. And of course, we have to remember that this was 1969. It was a much... 1969 or 1972, a much different time than today. But today, even today, if that were to happen, uh, I'm sure that a child would hesitate telling anybody that a priest molested them.
2: Well, I can tell you from being a child victim advocate for 10 years, I've been doing this. I get calls and emails almost on a daily basis. And I can tell you uh, that myself and other uh, SNAP leaders that I've talked to, uh, we've calculated that about 95% of the kids who have been sexually abused do not ever report, do Mm -hmm. not make file claims or suits. Mm -hmm. And they're shamed and guilt ridden. And uh, there's probably less than 5% who say anything.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. Because as a kid, you don't think anybody's going to believe you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, regardless of what the situation is. Yeah, especially something as heinous as that. And if you
2: go back into the 60s and the 70s, it was unheard of for people to come forward like they do now in droves. Uh, back then, if you said a priest touch you, uh, you would probably get spanked or hit or, or suspended or whatever. And uh, right now... Uh, it's it's bursting at the seams all over the planet, but back then it, it, it was hush hush. Mm-hmm.
1: Very much so, very much so. And of course, what you know, what's amazing to me, and of course, I've known uh, superficially, I've known what happened at Salesian High School because I don't live very far from there, and so we would hear uh, the news reports as things came out. But um, I know you have a book coming out, and I've been reading it, and I'm just. I'm totally blown away at how bad it was.
2: Right, I, right. I, I, I've i heard that from uh, uh, the editor I sent the book to. They said, uh, you, uh, you couldn't make up stuff like this. Uh, you know, the, the entire staff at the school were child molesters. Uh, one of, after Father DeBenny, the child molester uh principal left the school. When I was a senior, another principal came, uh, Father Purdy, and then he tried to talk me into suicide.
1: Oh, yes. I remember that. Talk about that a little bit, will you, Joey? That was amazing.
2: Yeah. Af- after the, it, it went around the school staff of priests that I had a big mouth and I had blown the whistle. So what happened is they all started picking at picking on me Um Another priest, Father Mengon, who's also a child molester, uh, called me into the hallway one day and asked me to stand perfectly still, put my hands at my side, and I did. And then he kneed me in the groin as hard as he could, and I went down and I laid on the floor for about an hour. I couldn't even move. Uh, And then the new principal, Father David Purdy, uh, who who is uh, uh, a high-ranking Solution official now, uh, back then he called me into his office, had me sit down and calmly walked around while I sat in a chair um, like, a, like a police interview with this bright light on you and he was trying to talk me into suicide and I just sat there dumbfounded and I couldn't believe a man of God supposedly and a principal of a school trying to talk a kid into suicide.
1: Hold that thought, Joey. I want to explore that a little bit more. Can you uh, hang on? Let's. We need to take a commercial break. We'll be right back.
0: NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Trying to juggle the need for comprehensive data on a tight budget? Merlin's Investigators Package was created especially for investigative and law enforcement professionals. With the Investigators Package you'll enjoy tremendous savings over Merlin's pay-per-search pricing. For less than $100 per month you can access the premium databases most frequently used by investigative professionals. Merlin's Investigators Package Simply the best, most affordable option for research and investigation. To learn more, call 800-367-6646 or email sales at merlindata.com. Free trials are available. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Today's topic is sex abuse by a priest. Joey Piscatelli lived it, and he's here to talk about it. He's telling a story of how he turned being a victim into being victorious over the Catholic Church. Joey, you were just talking about the head of the school trying to convince you to commis- commit suicide. And you were describing how he was circling you in his office and talking to you about What Do you remember what he said? Yeah,
2: I do. Uh, and it was a very eerie thing. It was um, it, it was morbid. Uh, he didn't yell and rant. He walked around slowly with his hands cupped and talked in a very mellow voice. And he said, uh, Joey, uh, nobody likes you. You make up stories and people like you die a lonely, slow death. And uh, your, your uh, life is just going to go down the tube slowly and you're going to uh, wallow in depression. What you need to do is commit suicide. That's the only way out for you. And people like you always commit suicide anyway. So that's the best thing for you to do. Get yourself out of this pain and commit suicide. And he kept saying that over and over again. He was trying to brainwash me. And uh, I just sat there the whole time dumbfounded. And I did that um, uh, disassociation thing Mm -hmm. while he was saying that. I started to dissociate because I couldn't believe Because I looked at him, I was looking at the cross of Jesus Christ he was wearing while he's saying this, and thinking, why is God doing this to me?
1: That gives me the chills, I have to say. That just, it's, that's chilling, and sounds like to me, they were trying to get rid of a witness. Oh
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: Mm. Okay, so let's, so then, let's. Fast forward to 2003, and you decided to take this huge, gigantic step and file a lawsuit.
2: Right. Um, what had happened before 2003, and I didn't put it together, but shortly after I left high school, I started having uh, depression, anxiety, uh, panic attacks, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, insomnia, and all these uh, after effects of child sex abuse, and I didn't tie it together. Um, So I went to a therapist years later, and the therapist uh, asked me, uh, have you ever been been traumatized? And he said that sex abuse is trauma. Well, I was traumatized, you know, probably over a hundred times. So um, come 2002, I had heard that they're going to make this law, and when the 2003 window opened, I went to uh, attorneys, Jeff Anderson and David Dravon, who had handled, uh, sex abuse case, cases. And I told them my story and they videotaped it and they were dumbfounded too. They said, but it's just heinous. It's egregious what they did. And, uh, I filed the suit and I learned a lot from filing the suit. Uh, one was, uh, and I think you touched on it before yeah, about private investigators. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the uh, sex abuse cases that are, are prepared for court, uh, they hire uh, private investigators mm-hmm. uh, to dig up information because you have to prove your story in court. Uh, unfortunately, what we found out is as soon as you make a claim or file a suit, uh, a lot of the files on the priest, the personnel files, disappear.
1: Isn't that funny how that happens?
2: Yeah, so we start subpoena documents, and they're not there. And uh, Father Whelan was a priest for like 30 years, and he said, well, where's his personnel file? Oh, we we can't find it. Mm -hmm. It disappeared. So I started trying to dig up information myself, and the more information I dug up, the more I found out the more uh, sexual predators there were at the school. And pretty soon, there was a record amount uh, in California. Mm -hmm. Uh, Salesian High School in Richmond has the uh, world's record amount of uh, abused sex abusers uh, at one school.
1: It's amazing. And I know you have them listed on the SNAP website as well by name.
2: And those are just the ones I found out about.
1: Right, right. So you, uh, you were really instrumental in assisting the private investigator and the attorneys in doing the research on your case and that's really important.
2: Yes. Several investigators called me on other cases as well. I even talked to the Department of Homeland Security, who was uh, uh, prosecuting priests for interstate and intercontinental transport of minors for sex. Um, Yeah, because uh, if a priest or anybody takes a kid out of this country for sex or goes to another country for sex uh, with a child... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, they can prosecute in federal court, mm-hmm. and I was assisting some uh, homicide investigators and some uh, uh, police departments and other victims of abuse. And we were going, uh, finding out different ways to find out information on uh, the predators and where they were transferred to, and uh, because the church wasn't giving up any information.
1: And and the attorneys that took your case, Joy, did they take it on a contingency? Yes, they
2: took it on a contingency, and uh, that's a good thing because the church uh, has a bottomless pocket. Uh, Salesians is the richest order on earth uh, in the Catholic Church. They have billions of dollars, and they had an endless uh, uh, supply of money to pay all their lawyers, which I think they hired three different law firms in my case and spent probably an estimated $5 million for five years, so it's a good thing my lawyers took it on contingency.
1: Yeah, and now I remember that you told me that when you got to court, your lawyers or nobody believed that you would prevail.
2: No, no, nobody believed I uh, I would prevail at all. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the things the Salesians did is they took a lawyer, the top lawyer from Texas, who uh, represented the tobacco industry and the car the car manufacturers and all the big hitters, and they paid him I think a million dollars I think that's the figure uh, they paid him to come to, just to litigate my case and um, so uh, it, it it was uh, there were several lawyers and uh, it, it got really involved
1: and the amazing part is that the only evidence you had at all. Was, your, was yourself, was right. your own testimony.
2: Right. Actually, their team of lawyers, uh, right before the trial, we went for a pretrial hearing. And since my case was not settled, and all the other cases were, I was the only case that was going to a jury trial. Uh, and there were two reasons I think they did that. One, because I was a whistleblower and a snap leader. And mm-hmm. I had sent several other kids uh, to lawyers and to the police. And the other one is because I was a pagan, uh, uh, quote unquote, modern witch, and um, I think they had it in for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so um, they uh, went before the judge in the pretrial hearing and told him uh, his name was Judge Bruniers in Contra Costa County Court. And they said, Mr. Piscatelli doesn't have one shred of evidence whatsoever, not one document, not one video, no witnesses, nothing. And uh, the judge looked at their lawyers and said to them, and I quote him, he said, Mr. Piscatelli is the evidence.
1: Hmm. The judge said that. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, so there were no witnesses at all, you had no documents. And it was only your testimony. So talk about, Joey, the tricks they tried to pull in court.
2: Well, one of the tricks they pulled uh, was uh, they said, they put me on the stand and they said, you said you were molested several times in Father Wheelan, the vice principal's office. And I said, yes. And the office is in a big hallway and the office has walls and the walls were made of glass. And so what they did is they put this giant screen in the court for the jury to see, and it was all clear glass, Mm -hmm. including the door. And they said, is this Father Whelan's office or former office? And I said, yes. And they said, "Uh, and you were in that room getting molested several times during school hours. I said, yes. And they said there were 400 students there. Yes. And they said, now, why didn't any of the students or anybody say anything, and how could that have happened without anybody seeing it? And at first I was confused, but then I said, wait a second, there's something wrong with the picture. So we went back through the yearbooks from the 70s, and the glass was all obscured in the 70s. Uh, you couldn't see through it. So what they did in the meantime before court is they changed the glass to all clear glass. hmm so I brought that fact up to the jury, and we blew up the picture from the 70s from the yearbook and showed the uh, jury that it was obscure glass. Mm-hmm. So that was a trick. They got caught on that one.
1: And and I remember you telling me that when they first showed you the picture of, of the clear glass, you were, you were really, I mean, you said you confused, but you were more than confused. It was like none of this made, was making sense to you, and you're on the witness stand.
2: Right, and, and the judge, yeah. Go ahead. Well, and 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 the uh, the lead attorney for the Salesian in the Catholic Church said, "Isn't this the room?" And he was laughing. And I said, "And I said, wait a second, there's something wrong." And he says, "Isn't this the room?" And then um, I wouldn't answer. And the judge says, "You have to answer." And I said, "No, there's something wrong." And the judge says, "I'm ordering you to answer the question," and I refused to. I said, "No, there's something wrong. I can't answer that question clearly. There's something wrong with the picture." And um, the judge called for a recess and then had a meeting with the lawyers. He asked to answer the question. And I said, I'm not going to answer the question. There's something wrong with the picture.
1: Good for you. Good for you for having the, the courage to stand up.
2: It's a good thing I did.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, okay, so, so then you took the recess and, and it was that night that you found the picture in the yearbook and came back the next day?
2: Right, and then showed the lawyers, and they said, "Great, you found this. We'll put you back on the stand, and we'll enter it as evidence." And it will be an egg in the face of the uh, church lawyers.
1: Okay, and and did they? Was there anything else that was like that 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 the church tried to do?
2: Well, one thing they did is they took my deposition, and in my deposition, uh, they asked me a question and says, uh, "What?" It was about witnesses, and the first witness. Which wasn't really my witness uh, was Brother Sal at the Boys Club, who's a molester. Had he was watching me being molested, and of course he's not a good witness. I don't think for either side. But um, they asked me a question in my deposition. They said, "Do you know anybody uh, who knew anybody who knew somebody that uh, would have uh, was watching?" uh, you, uh, being molested. And I didn't understand that question because th- they repeated their words. Do you know anybody who knows anybody who knows anybody? Right. <laughs> so, so I said, no, I, I, I didn't even understand the question. The next question after that though, was, do you know anybody who witnessed the incident? And uh-huh. I said, yes, brother Sal Belante." Um, so what they did is they put up on the screen in front of the court, the first question. Mm. Which was, do you know anybody who knew anybody who knew anybody who was a witness? And I said no. And so they put that up and they used. They told the jury, look, see, he's admitting that nobody saw it, and he's admitting there never was a witness. And I said to the judge, wait a second, scroll down on the deposition. The next question is clear, and uh, the church refused to. And the judge made them scroll down. And the next question was, do you know anybody? who saw it that was a witness, and I said, yes, Brother Sal Belanti. And so that was another trick they did. They tried to hide that other question from the jury. Hmm.
1: Wow. So how long was the actual trial? Two weeks. Two weeks. And then how long did it take the jury to come back with a verdict?
2: Uh, A couple of
1: hours. Really? And
2: they had to answer several questions. Uh, The first question was, uh, was Joey Piscatelli molested at all? And if the jury had said no, then the whole thing's over.
1: Mm-hmm. But if they
2: said yes, they would say, did Father Whelan molest Joey Piscitelli? And if they said yes to that, that they'd say, did Brother Sal Belanti actually witness and not turn him in? And they had to answer that question. And then they had to answer the question, does he deserve compensation? And uh, is the Salesian uh, organization at fault And there's several questions. And was Father Wheeland at fault? They answered yes to every question. Uh, And the thing that was remarkable about the case is, and the Salesians complained about it in the appeal, is I didn't have any evidence at all. I had no documents or videos to show them. Mm -hmm. All I had was my word. And they put several priests on the stand, including the one who tried to talk me into suicide uh, and other molesters. And they uh, took
1: my word instead of all of theirs. It's amazing. You know, good, good for you. Uh, and, um, oh, I had a question on the tip of my tongue, and now I've lost it. Um, you had, there was jury composition, um, there was one woman who did not agree with the verdict, and you found out something about her later.
2: Yeah, actually an investigator found out. Uh, One of the investigators our lawyers had, uh, part of their job was to invest, because uh, we had the names of the jurors. And what they do is during jury selection, Mm -hmm. they ask people questions to rule out bias because you don't want any biased members on the jury. Mm -hmm. So, So one of the questions they ask the jury, are any of you priests or nuns or are you studying to be priests or nuns? They all said no. Well, one of the women, the investigator, one of the investigators found out, was actually going to the School of Theology to become a nun, and she was almost done with her courses, and she was almost, uh, had her uh, position as a nun, and she had lied to get on the jury, and she was the one that dissented uh, in the opinions. I had all the other jurors on my side. She was the one that was against me. Okay. Okay.
1: And had you not had the jury not voted in your favor, that could have been jury misconduct that you could have gone back with uh to to refile
2: exactly. Yeah. If I had lost, we would have said jury misconduct. this woman lied to get on the jury, uh, which is uh absolutely not allowed
1: right, okay. We need to take another break, Joey. My guest today, Joy Piscatelli, his remarkable report on his battle with the Catholic Church will be right back.
0: The internet's number 1 talk station. Number 1 talk station. Voiceamerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. A heavy caseload and a lack of resources. Sound familiar? Merlin's Locate Services team can help. After 30 years in the investigative business, Merlin knows a few things about the industry. Our team of expert skip tracers delivers a host of skip tracing, public record research, place of employment and bank asset services to investigative and collection professionals. Competitive tiered pricing is available and all Results are 100% guaranteed. To learn more or to inquire about other professional skip trace services, log on to merlindata.com or call 800-367-6646. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength and numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at one 800 447 2112 to sign up. Mention PI's Declassified, and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call one. 800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. News. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 VoiceAmerica.com
1: Joey Piscatelli was sexually molested by a priest at Salesian High School in California. Today he's been telling us his wild ride through the years of pain, followed by years through the justice system. He prevailed. The jury awarded him $650,000 after deliberating for just about two hours after a two-week trial. But that wasn't the end of it. So Joey, the church appealed.
2: Yeah, the first time they appealed, they appealed to the Supreme Court in Contra Costa County, and they had a bunch of reasons, and and that's common for for, uh, uh, the loser to appeal if they can. And they appealed for a bunch of reasons, and they were knocked down by uh, Judge Bruniers in the Supreme Court. Uh, And then they appealed uh, based on the fact that the witness, uh, Brother Sal, uh, this is a little complicated, I'll make it as short as possible, Brother Sal, the head of the Boys Club, who was a convicted child molester himself, uh, the judge told me, I'm not allowed to tell the jury that because it would poison the jury, and they would say, well, the, the school was inundated with molesters, and there would be a slam dunk, so it would be unfair to, to the Salesians, which I don't agree with, but that's what he said. So um, uh, during the trial, uh, my lawyers put Brother Sal on the stand, and they weren't allowed to say anything unless he opened the door to it mm-hmm. and called me a liar.
1: Mm-hmm. So they
2: asked him, did you witness Joey Piscatelli being molested at the boys club? And he said no. And they asked him, is he lying? And uh, he made the mistake of saying yes, he's a liar. So that opened the door to credibility issue. So the next question they asked him was, are you a convicted molester yourself? And he said yes. And ha- have you been in jail for it? Yes. How many boys? Like 38 boys. And 38. so 38. Yeah, okay. at least le- those are the, just the ones that filed. Um, so then they appealed on the fact that uh, we let the jury know that Brother Sal was a convicted molester. And I, I think that was a stupid appeal because um, they opened the door to themse- to it themselves. Mm. And so that appeal then went, after they lost the first one on that, it went to the highest court in California. And the high court unanimously Uh, uh, voted in my favor and said, yes, you're allowed to tell if it's a credibility issue between you and Brother Sal and the jury doesn't know who to believe, you're allowed to attack each other's credibility. Mm -hmm. And he opened the door to it. So we did that and we won that. And that was the final straw.
1: Okay. And then they had no more appeals left and they finally settled and gave up
2: right they 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 had exhausted their appeals and that was uh it they had to concede uh but you know they had at that point they had spent uh uh, so much money and and they had told me before court started that they're willing to spend millions they don't care they have a bottomless pit and uh, they're going to spend as much as possible and they're going to take me down they told me that
1: well that's all about intimidation
2: it sure was
1: yeah so you and then you finally got the award in 2009. Right. After all of those years. Yeah. All right. Amazing journal. Just amazing journey. And thank you for sticking up for yourself and everybody else. Thank you. Um, now, you're, you're involved with an organization called SNAP. You want to talk about that for a moment?
2: Yeah. SNAP is the Survivors Network of those abused by priests, and there are approximately eight or nine thousand members across the united states and snap is a support group they have support meetings and they also uh, uh refer people to therapists or try and help people who uh come forward with uh, uh abuse allegations um a lot of victims call me and like i said before a lot a lot of the victims who call me that want to go to a support meeting or something something, have never filed a claim. And uh, what SNAP does, they have a, a website, it's called www.snapnetwork.org, and um, you can go on the website and look up uh, support group meetings in your area. Uh, I'm a Northern California volunteer uh, director, and a lot of people have called me, and I've referred them to therapists, etc. And... Uh, um,
1: Joey, you've o- and you've offered yourself as a resource to investigators. Would you like to give them contact information for yourself?
2: Yeah, uh, my, uh, wet, my uh, email address is caljoey1 at aol.com. That's C A L J O E Y 1 at aol.com. And I've gotten uh, through the years several uh, calls and emails from lawyers. Uh, therapists and uh, victims and investigators uh, as to how, how do you look up uh, where a priest was or, or uh, where he was transferred to, and uh, I give them tips and tell them uh, things I did to look up uh, the uh, history of some of these people because, like I said before, their files mysteriously disappear a lot of times.
1: Yes, and I I might point out that on on that website is a section called Abuse Tracker that uh, I printed out today and it's 65 pages of all kinds of articles and information about um, uh, the Catholic Church, particularly, and all kinds of sex abuse issues. So if people are interested in looking into that, because sometimes that applies to a local court case.
2: Right. And there's another uh, wonderful website if you want to look up documents on a certain priest Uh or if you want to see if a priest was just accused by somebody else. And a lot of investigators have called me about that. And it's called bishopaccountability.org. And they have a uh, list of priests in every state uh, and and city across the country who have been accused, uh, admitted, or convicted and uh, a lot of investigators find priests there that uh, other kids or victims or survivors have accused and that's a helpful tool.
1: What a wonderful resource. Thank you for that. And so I I think uh, those that are listening that are interested will find SNAP as a great resource. There may be people that have actually been abused themselves or know of somebody that has. Um, They can contact SNAP for support and assistance. Right. Okay, and then you have a book coming out. Yes, I wrote a book about the whole
2: ordeal. I started writing the book uh, before court had ended, and I figured I better wait till the end (laughs) because you never know. Uh, But since I won all uh, all the appeals, uh, I wrote a book. The book is called A Witch Wins Justice, uh, and I named it that because I'm pagan. I fell away from the Catholic Church uh, when, uh, shortly after I was abused, uh, I wouldn't go back to Catholic Church uh, uh, at all, mm-hmm. um, and so I uh, started exploring uh, paganism, which is a non-Satanist, uh, earth-based religion, and um, you know it includes like Shamanism, Buddhism, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. And, um, technic- and 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 technically, uh, people call that my my. Uh, Belief uh, a witch, which is uh, again non-satanist. It's uh, earth-based, uh, like a Wiccan, um, and um, that's uh, what I fell into, and um, that's what I believe in. And uh, I think it's a very spiritual religion, if you can call it a religion. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And, uh, and your book is called what again? My book is called "A
2: Witch Wins Justice," okay. and. Uh, uh, the reason I named it that is because I am, believe it or not, I am the only so-called witch in history who has ever defeated the Catholic Church in a jury trial uh, since the beginning of time.
1: Well, and I think we, uh, we didn't mention and we should mention there's only a handful of cases across the United States that have actually uh, been certified and gone to court.
2: Right. In the United States, I think there's only 12 cases that ever went to a jury trial. All the other cases were settled, uh, including in 2003 in California. Out of the thousands and thousands of cases uh, that were uh, filed, only uh, two that I know of went to jury trial. uh, One in uh, Southern California, uh, well, one in San Francisco, and then mine in Contra Costa County. Uh, And then across the United States, all the other cases uh, were settled. I'm the only case that went to court with no documentation at all.
1: (laughs) That's just amazing. (laughs) That's just amazing. Okay, so what advice do you have? Because we're almost at the end of our time here. Do you have any advice that you would like to give to either somebody that's been abused or somebody who knows of somebody that's been abused?
2: Um, If you know somebody that's been abused, and a lot of people do, or if you've been abused yourself, um, find the courage to uh, A, talk to a therapist, B, turn them in. Even if the statute of limitations is passed up, uh, file a police report anyway. And right. the other thing is uh, seek support in a support group. And um, I think if you're within the statute of limitations, I'd turn them into the police. And uh, I do, and a lot of people will think this is kind of uh, iffy, uh, but I'd file a lawsuit because the only thing they understand uh, as punishment for their crime is a lawsuit because uh, they seem to shine everything else on.
1: Yeah, understood. Well, you have a tremendous courage, Joy. Um, You're a great example for many, so... um I just have to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for standing up. So, we're at the end of our show, um, upcoming in the next few weeks. Uh, We've got Jennifer Magnahey is going to be on the show one of these days. We've had some scheduling conflicts, but she's the female perspective of fugitive recovery. Uh, I promise we will get her on. Rob Dick is going to be back. He was a security escort for Casey Anthony during her trial. And Ted Kavrakas, I'm. I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Ted Kavraurus from Hong Kong, uh, about outwitting counterfeiters, international counterfeiters. So again, tune in next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening.
0: You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. a heavy caseload, and a lack of resources. Sound familiar? Merlin's Locate Services team can help. After 30 years in the investigative business, Merlin knows a few things about the industry. Our team of expert skip tracers delivers a host of skip tracing, public record research, place of employment, and bank asset services to investigative and collection professionals. Competitive tiered pricing is available, and all results are 100% guaranteed. To learn more or to inquire about other professional skip trace services, log on to merlindata.com or call 80. 03676646. C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Securities.